The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. Hello and welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Newman, and today we will be talking about my dinner with Andre where we watch two dudes talk together for an hour in that movie. I'm joined today with my friends, Benjamin Haworth. Hello. Bobby Pike. Hey, everybody. Sarah Becker. Hi, guys. Trevor Flynn. Well, hello. Yeah, I needed to add some context there to your taciturn voice. That's why I didn't make an effort. I know. <laughs> well, guys, we're, today we're going to be talking about my dinner with Andre. And just to sum up for the viewer, my dinner with Andre, <laughs> Andre Gregory and Wallace Shawn. And the idea was that they're not actually playing their individual characters. They're playing different characters and they're coming together to discuss essentially experimental theater theories on life and everything. Whereas it's it's kind of put together in just kind of this in like in kind of this interpretive theater sort of way where it's just all in one conversation. It's a shot reverse shot. There's really probably like, I think maybe 12 shots in the whole movie. So it's very unique, it's very art house. And it was a darling. Uh, it was a darling of the, of the indie film scene back in the day. So first up, we just want to get your thoughts. So who liked this movie? I like uh, it. I've seen this. Uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> I liked it. Well, I think I think what's I think it's fair is like we're gonna have there'll be a se- several conversations today and I think like you'll go between like we talk about the content of the movie as well as like the aesthetic and mechanics of the movie because the as on the aesthetics and the mechanics side it's it's hard to like tell what you want about this movie because it is like twelve shots it is there's very little f- visually that's going on other than the, like the the characters by play but from that perspective like does any like does anyone disagree with it or dislike it. Um, an obstacle going in for me actually was just, um, I'm just going to put this disclaimer up front. Like this was very, uh, personal for me. A lot of these ideas, like we did a, uh, Grotowski workshop in, uh, at Trinity, uh, where we went to college, uh, when I was there. And that was very controversial. The experimental theater, uh, hideaway kind of group that Andre starts out talking about just going on and on about. And, um, <laughs> I had a lot of strong feelings about that, I guess already. So to listen to him just go on talking about it, mm-hmm. it was a very uh, anxious thing for me to just have nothing to do but like engage with him and listen to him when I had all these already um, feelings about what he was talking about that I had already kind of decided on. But so I was actually wondering because you you had texted me and, and spoken like kind of a bit about like the ennui that was affecting you while you were viewing this movie, and I was curious about that to some extent, Trevor, and that. When you were viewing it, were you worried that Andre and like how Andre looked like was affecting your experience? Because I thought you hated the Grotowski Theater. No, I did, and that's the thing. Kind of is all right. I was just I want to go too off on a tangent, but just a little background. I did see one uh, Grotowski show um, at, when they when they came to perform this this workshop group. Essentially, the same sort of people, the same um, kind of actors that Andre talks about working with, uh, came to perform. For right. Us. Like and it was a very free form, free form, ritualistic, uh, very little actual spoken language, almost speaking in tongues, very pseudo spiritual kind of series of exercises. And I remember 
going up to the director afterhand and asking like how much of it was improvised and he was just very offended that any of it would have looked improvised to me and I actually did kind of enjoy it to start out with um you know I may or may not have had to do with you know my mother <laughs> but at first but at first I really liked it but once they started explaining their theory and the the kind of um like philosophical truth that was in it for them the way Andre does in the first like hour of this film I kind of became disgusted with it and that it was kind of like listening to kind of this new age sort of spirituality like listening to a someone from a cult talk about their experience with a cult because they said and this is the thing too that was central to me is they said the work that we perform does not require an audience it's something that we do for ourselves and the audience is incidental and that to me was just <laughs> it's like sinful shit. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's especially from like a classical theater perspective, and I think that's the well, thing. Well, just like, like from a selfish feel... perspective, like, that's essentially saying well, you don't care what I'm doing there, like whether I'm watching or not. And that's well, the uh, amazing thing about this play is I think it, it it expresses that in this. Like, I think the audience is again incidental to my dinner with Andre, even though it's it's a brilliant brilliantly put together piece. It's it seems like these two men are very engaged in the conversation and experience it in such a way. Even though Wallace Shawn, like they they've said in interviews that they could interchange the two characters, like the other like Wallace Shawn could have played the other character and Andre could have been the receiver or the or the individual taking it or the not the individual but I mean I don't mean to call Wallace Shawn's character in this play a doormat but he does he does tend to be more of a an audience stand-in which is funny because he does he still has a, a kind of a humanist perspective that you see as as the play as the piece moves on no and that was the thing for me play, is I was waiting for him to jump in for that first hour for a while just right, with a lot right. of the things and he did eventually jump in with a lot of things that I was immediately thinking it just took a long time and right. for a minute I but, thought which, the film was going to be completely validating uh, Andre's point of view and like that spirituality kind of that goes with that sort of experimental theater well, but then good. it comes back it, and it regrets I, it kind of so it has well, I think this... that's why the prologue is so important to say that he hasn't talked to him in, in years and kind of use him as a, a kook and a crazy person to see him happy and excited right. and interested the first hour really is who is this person who I thought like it's breaking down the thing and then you're starting to stop just paying attention to the person's personality and really hearing what he's saying and then he has to you know go from being wow uh, I didn't know who you were. This is who you are now. Mm-hmm. To okay, now actually, I'm hearing what you're saying. Actually, and I have to disagree. I, I with disagree. Your... I disagree with that, Ben. I don't. I think that Wallace Shawn clearly engages with everything he says through the first. He engages, bit. but I think in a different level. I don't think he challenges him till till halfway through because he is so fascinated with well, his storyline. But then once he gets more yeah, he's telling a element. story, and that's the issue. Is like from a narrative structure, Andre Gregory is telling a story, and he doesn't interrupt him for the first half hour because it's Andre telling him, "What have you been up to?" Which is funny because it took like two minutes of like over dialogue for him to explain how Debbie and his and Wallace's life has been thus far. But I do think they're making they're making a very specific point here and like he's telling the story and doing the setup and then the conversation comes after. It's not really a conversation. It's one person telling a guy a story and then somebody coming back and saying not necessarily crazy, but he's he didn't he never calls him crazy. And I think that's the purpose is like from like my perspective like there's a lot of ennui that is generated from kind of listening to him and it's it's good cuz the movie is really excellent about taking the piss out of Andre every so often to make us like accept what's going on because or at least from my perspective i kind of do see ben's point a little bit in that i am that part of watching this for me was that i was maybe over familiar with the things andre was talking about and if you weren't familiar with those ideas how like he would just maybe come off at first as completely ingenuine and eventually you do come to sympathize with them maybe a little bit more 
but well, it's coming from an interesting place because both these guys have have gone on to much more acclaim and fame since this movie. I mean, obviously Andre is very famous at the time, but maybe his work wasn't as known outside of you know maybe New York theater circles mm-hmm. as it was today. And of course, Wallace Shawn we all recognize after breaking out in Princess Bride. So it's interesting to see these two guys who did become much more cultural figures later on and this is sort of right before that and obviously a big part of it was the movie itself uh kind of introducing a lot of people to both their ideas and their careers i didn't realize andre gregory was in demolition man yes he is demolition man is also directed by a well-known like famous uh art house director who's like does these amazing uh, cinema works and also did the Kanye West Power video. So I'm just saying he's got a weird career. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Demolition Man will be our uh, next I, old I feel movie. Like, I feel like I like that about him. I, I think that, like he, like for me, like at least from his perspective, there wasn't a, like, you know, he was out in left field in terms of experimental theater. And I think that's the point of expressing that, but he does have self-awareness of where he is on the spectrum. Which made it somewhat, which made the conversation somewhat okay with it. I guess, like for you, Ben, did you experience it more as like this this character study of like these two individuals in a place versus like what what they were actually saying? Like you weren't as concerned about what was happening in the conversation so much as what was being revealed about the characters as they talked. Definitely, definitely. I think it came in it more in that sense, uh, sort of what Roger Ebert and, and Gene Siskel said. More in the universal sense, it's more about. Uh, Kind of recreating any conversation like that. Hopefully we've all had those kind of conversations. And also about um, identity and, and realizing something. Which is why that sort of very interestingly, this episode spawned one of the better episodes of Community because it kind of does the same thing. Which is oh, that is a really fucking Reconnecting with someone you thought you had preconceived notions of mm-hmm. and then having those notions torn away throughout the night. It's funny. Apparently that episode You're a lot more connected community. than you realized. That episode of Community apparently, like, reintroduced a generation to my dinner with Andre. <laughs> Which is kind of awesome. Is, well, no, it's kind of, it's funny, but it's also a really good thing. Like, like again, for me, like, that's something that's, in in terms of the, the, there are, like, several levels that are moving through this movie. You have kind of the background level of, like, these two characters um, interacting with each other individually. And you have the conversation and whether or not, like, and the viewer can take parts of it as serious or it can take parts of it as, like, revealing of elements of the character. Which I think both are true all of it is true in terms of the perspective of what's happening in the play and it's it's really kind of diverse and hard to to quantify i I was far too engaged with the ideas themselves to even see the characters as anything but vehicles for those ideas yeah i would have to agree with trevor no i mean i i disagree ben i think like they are characters and they are good characters but i think the meat of what's actually happening in the play is happening in dialogue right but i think the characters are revealed through that dialogue which is what i think I, mean, I think char- it's both. I mean, the characters are revealing, but what? So, like, what do you? What do? You, what is your thesis on what Andre represents? Then, well, I think Andre represents again that kind of ennui, and I think I you, you can represent yourself with either or, and I think maybe because I find myself being a Wallace Shawn person, a person who is living his life, but maybe humanism. Humanism those, is what it is. Yeah. Humanism. Yeah, yeah. Not experiencing those like levels of uh, of of new age transhumanism and going beyond yourself and experiencing things that are beyond you uh, I don't think, want I think, to, but I don't think I dip my toe into it enough and so I, I definitely think, kind of represent those ideas but I also think it also challenges the idea that you can't just you know he challenges him on you know, just leaving his family which I think is very interesting you know there is a kind of cynical selfishness to Andre's path for enlightenment which is very interesting mm-hmm. 
Well, I think it's it's the whole criticism comes down to you know which is the initial line about living in your art um but the issue is like you know i think andre is kind of saying like you know are you an artist because you're driven by realities which is the issue is like a lot of a lot of people will in write-ups will call wallace shawn a humanist i think his character is more complicated than that and i think he's more a realist in terms of like he looks at his realities and he's motivated by money but he doesn't enjoy the fact that he's motivated by money he wants his heart of heart wants him to be like andre and i think that's clearly revealed through the course of the film that he wants to be andre but he can't allow himself to do that and is that kind of his issue and version of his own roles or like what's happening in that and i think that's the issue the issue is like because wallace shawn is really because we have a fascination with andre but not a person to that views this wants to be andre or maybe not i don't know maybe there are people that i mean i didn't well no one spoke up so (laughs) (laughs) now i'm like now i'm like is all four of you guys is like i want to be andre and like living in a forest and all this shit i'm like buried alive i I, I, I want to experience andre's experiences i think fair fair is fair i want to be that deeply involved in a piece of art yeah Mm -hmm. and, and not his piece of art and i think that's the thing is like i express my art differently but like when i am buried in work and like expressing and creating like and, and I'm in that in that place, and kind of like in that t- artistic space where you're creating frantically, and everything's flying out the window, and 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 it's just you're sucked in entirely, body and soul, into the whatever creation and the the act of creation itself. Like, I think that that's like an amazing experience, and like I think that's what he's trying to represent, and like what he's going for. He's almost like a porn addict in that, and like he's like moving on to greater feelings of creation as he moves forward. And I think that the the piece is trying to represent that as like you know he's trying he's got the ability to to drive his creations forward and and wallace is kind of like can i feel that level of creation here in new york city and he's like no and wallace is like yes so i think i think that's the issue is like you know where they're saying that you know new york city is at that time was kind of like a was almost like a dream world so the andre character in the film kind of reminded me of um, when everyone goes away for their study abroad and then they come back and they want to tell you about all of the wonderful things they've experienced and learned and how their life was changed by seeing all these places and doing all these things. And if you're one of those people who didn't study abroad, you're sitting there being like, well, yay, you had this profound experience, but can I receive a similar amount of said profound experience right here? And most people who would study abroad would tell you, no, you can't. You have to go somewhere else. You have to go experience it there. And that's kind of what what the Andre character reminded me of, and I think there's half-truths to both of those things. Yeah, I think you can experience something very profound and completely different when you do go somewhere else. So he's, he's describing his experiences in the forest and, you know, in the desert and all these things. I do think that there's a certain element of truth that there you could not experience what he did anywhere else. But that is not to say that you cannot experience deep human transcendental moments in everyday life, which I think is what Wallace is trying to say. So I think there were I think the film was really interesting in that I thought it was telling me half truths from both sides so that you can find somewhere in the middle that's actually closer to what the truth is. Well, yeah, I don't think there's a truth. 
to any of this. I think that's the nice thing is it's all transitory. There's all it's all moving back between places. There's places that these characters get to in terms of like their level of creation. It's like meditation. They get to like places and they 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 sustain themselves there. And the question is, can they get other people to understand and come there as well? Like he talks about it, and, it, and it's one of those funny moments, especially in the play when he's like, oh, they got you know he's like talking about the individuals like they understood what this is about. They went off and he was talking about the people in the forest that they laid daisies on, and he's like they got it and then the, it brings the question is like and it's like he it, it's funny because it's one of the he's so verbose through the whole play and then he just has this moment he's like yeah it was about this and he like he like almost cuts off when he's talking about what it was about because he can't express what it was about but he knows what it was about and that's it's just that interesting bit like you've had that moment where you're like you're talking about like uh in, interesting like creative prospects and things and you're like trying to explain it and like like a movie idea or something that you might have and you just literally can't explain it because but in your mind it's so it's so there and it's interesting to see like him struggle with that and him trying to say like here's all these you know transcendental experiences i want to share them with you but at the same time wallace um i think reject he doesn't reject he's just bothered by it because I think, he wants to engage but he can't i think that was actually uh, some of the things you just brought up kind of a blind spot in their discussion is i kept th- thinking about especially when wally starts talking about well yeah but you can do things purposefully that's a very zen concept and Right. It, it, it's ironic because today we, you know, our general impression of Zen is like just this very vague sort of spiritual, you know, ness that's not like concretely Bushaki. nailed down to anything, which is part of the what the notion of Zen is. is it's something you can't explain. But at the same time, there's also sort of the side of Zen that's more like, you know, putting purpose into like every little, even household task you do, like thinking about the way you do it so that it becomes meaningful. And I thought that was kind of missing maybe from their conversation as much as they went into Well, I think I think that's like the that, thing. But. I think if I have any criticism of this piece, it just goes through too many conversations too fast. Yeah. Like like they they're covering a breadth of of I think really just like a breadth of philosophical discourse and moving from topic to topic so fast from theater to philosophy so fast that it's hard really like they're making a point and they have a point and I think it's put to, I think like the discourse as it is is put together like masterfully in terms of having a conversation and moving it along, but they have a point to which they're moving towards that they have a purpose. And I think like at points I'm like, okay, you can't move this fast in this conversation. They definitely have blind spots, but I think real conversations are like that. And I yeah. like that about that. I think this, that like, moves it back again, more to like, the character it comes study back, idea. It comes back around. This is yeah. like every criticism I would make is not necessarily a fair criticism to this movie. Like at the real conversations are like that. Like me and Trevor, like we'll have a conversation about something philosophically and we'll leave a blind spot that neither of us acknowledge, but that's how conversation moves forward. If you were to flesh it out in more of an academic setting, you might, spot it and either deal with it or see how what else you could do but like that's that's the point is like conversations move forward fluidly like that so having an issue with the conversation is kind of silly in nature (laughs) i think that's um yeah no i think you're getting back around to kind of what ben was talking about we're looking at them as characters where toward the end of it it's more it's it's less trying to like claim lay claim to all the ideas of western philosophy and civilization as much as it is right, just right. like how those grand ideas just impact two sort of two two people, people. Yeah. two people yeah and i think that's it does go it goes it goes macro to micro really really effectively and i think that's why like it's it important comes, for me that there's actually real, no real resolution to this film like bobby was kind of talking about earlier the suck. idea that they illuminate um kind of a middle ground i don't i i i kind of want to talk more about that because i don't feel that's like they revolution. necessarily do 
No, I think they just disagree at the end of it. They just, it's truly like there is no resolution in that like Wallace is deeply bothered by what Gregory has to say as he moves away. And I think this thing is like, you know, on like that's the issue is these two friends are bad for each other and that like Wallace makes Gregory feel to himself like he's in it. He was talking about that. He was like, cause he was defending himself talking about the church scene when he was like in church and he sees that guy there. And it's like, you know, this is ridiculous. People have experiences. I'm just moving forward. Like, whereas he's trying to cope with the fact that he's like, you know, all these things, he's not really working and he hasn't put a play out and all this stuff. And like, Wallace essentially makes him face that because Wallace is mm-hmm. again a humanist he's more of the practical guy whereas Gregory makes Wallace feel like he's not really in it for the art so it's really they really just cause problems to each yeah. other yeah. in a sense which is funny because they're they're really actually not a great they're you know they're an odd couple pairing but in the context of their art they really hurt each other yeah that's that's interesting yeah well one thing I think is interesting too is in sort of a would would Trevor was saying about Zen, it's sort of a different ideology between Western ideology of Zen and Eastern ideology of Zen, and that both can kind of look at each other and say you aren't actually working in a sense, which I think is very interesting that Wallace can look at Andre and say, yeah, you've traveled the world, you've had all these experiences, but when's the last time you've directed a play? You know, when's the last time you've actually done what your, you know, Western ideology of who you are is versus um andre could say to wallace you know you've been writing you've been working but when is the last time you've actually truly created out of something that you truly believe versus making something just for money right which is i think that's the point is like maybe they're both not in like a zen state to some extent whereas wallace is falling in and it's just like doing this for money whereas he's just doing it for the pure experiences but he's losing context and reality not actually doing anything which is the issue. They're, they're both kind of opposite sides of the same coin and opposite extremes. Yeah, see, if they're and opposite I, I, extremes, I, I, I just actually feel more lost between them, I feel like. Than, well, no, <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, they, they just, they're two people that, har- like, it's like their conversation is hardly is destructive to each other because they can't find middle ground. And I think they purposely can't find middle ground. Well, that's one thing I think is interesting about it. I think some people would say that this film isn't cinematic, but sort of what is cinematic about it is I can believe that these are all conversations that Wallace Shawn and, and Gregory yeah. had with each oh, other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But condensed down to two hours. I mean, originally the script was actually three hours, but Louis, the director, who is it? Louis, Louis Mal, Mal, yeah, he he yeah. came in and he, he chopped the block and had a famously had, I don't, I don't think, I think it was a pretty, it wasn't like a, a vicious battle between him and Wallace, uh, Wallace, but I think there was definitely some butting of heads. And like he right. lost apparently on two conversations because the director originally, I think, wanted this under an hour. Like that's interesting, which it comes back I'm, around because it comes back around to the he did think that it, two hours is going to be a much for a cinematic conversation in theaters, which kind of goes back right. to the whole problem this film was discussing. <laughs> well, yeah. well, right. It is kind of interesting mix between experimental theater. I mean, the Wall of Sean version is the three hour and a half long experimental theater version. And and Louis Miles was saying, no, it's cinematic. You have to keep the audience interested. And it's interesting that the middle ground is probably the way more interesting of both ideologies. Which kind of yeah. is the point of the movie itself. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. The production kind of mirrors that. Well, I, I don't think the mo- the point of the movie is a middle ground. I, I, I don't... I think no, no, I, I don't I mean, think, I don't think the movie passes. I, ultimately, the, I think the movie very specifically and is very careful not to pass judgment. It has two characters created, and they both view the things. And I think the sense of ennui that Wallace walks away with is the point of this movie. Yes, mm-hmm. I would agree. Well, see, but he has it before, and he 
has it after so i don't know that it's a different entire sense (laughs) (laughs) i think because that's the thing is like it's funny too because like he has the opposite sense he walks in his ennui is about money and he's he's confident in his art but he just wants to get around to doing the business of the art (laughs) like and he walks away unconfident in his sense of the art Mm. so it's it kind of it's funny too because it's he's just not thinking about the art is the issue when he walks in and all he can do is like suffer from the art and he does it and it's, that's why he takes a taxi. It's like he's forgotten about issues about money, and he just grabs a taxi. And that's why it makes the line. He's like, "Oh, I was a king riding around in taxis in the beginning." In the first couple minutes of the film, he says that he's like, mm. "When I was young, and all I was thinking about was art." And that's what he does at the end. He grabs a taxi, and all he thinks about is. The I art. didn't think about that. That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely this movie. Like the one thing you can't say, and the one reason I'm going to give this movie a high score is like you can you can criticize it and all this stuff, but really, there's nothing in this. This movie is masterfully put together, in in terms of like the conversation of what's happening and the flow of it as it's going through. And I think like that's like people you see all you see a lot of student films that do this similar thing where people are having a conversation and they're not. It's it's not <laughs> it's not even the same fucking universe as this shit. This is good. Uh- uh, forgive me because I haven't seen the film in a little bit. Um, sorry, I didn't have time to catch up with it again, but I had seen it about a year ago. Does Walsh Sean have any narration during the conversation? Or in, in a lot. Voice a lot. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. Especially in the beginning bits, and he cuts between it cuts between segments. And it's interesting too because Wallace Sean, it's in real time, and Wallace Sean describes them talking about his family as a narration, and you can kind of hear the like a little bits of the little snatches of the conversation as he's describing it. But right. there's no way, like what he describes, they talk about. There's no way for like that much conversation to happen, as it. It's like time dilation in the film, and it's really, it's really funny how they do it, because every time true. narration plays, it, it signifies that they're having longer conversations and moving on to bits. Well, but that's the thing I too. think is very interesting that so many filmmakers get wrong is having the narration not only throughout, but also having the narration in the entire film be from one point of view. Like if you're going to have voiceover, we're clearly seeing it from his perspective and i like that if we start with him arriving and we leave and we don't see where uh, gregory goes it's all through wallace Shawn's point of view i think they're brave too for include making wallace a humanist and, and a realist like they, they he's obviously a stand-in for the audience but he's also i think more far more intelligent than the general audience viewer and and they do that on purpose. Like not, I, he's not like he's not a perfect stand-in for the audience and on purpose because he is part of the conversation. No, but he's he takes still, more the everyman's side right from the beginning. Like he's very right, skeptical but, going but that's into general, it. Kind of like, allows us to sit no, through Andre for the first I mean, hour. In any other context, he would not be the everyman. He's only in the context facing Andre's ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, then that's one thing I like about the film too is that they, you know, he doesn't just sit there and ask questions the entire time. He it does have something to contribute to the conversation. Eventually. Well, at the end. At the end. Eventually. It takes... I will say, that is a criticism. It takes too long for him to engage. Mm, I enjoy Alan Gregory too much to, I guess, agree with that, but... I, I mean, I, I, tired of it, what he's I saying. enjoy him too. I really, I really do um, enjoy him. I just think that, like... I needed him to be, he's, he's very, and here's the thing. Maybe it's just like, he's too much. Yes, man. For the first bit of it. It's like, he's lost in a dream. And maybe that's intentional. That's the issue. It comes back around. I cannot call that a criticism because it does feel intentional that he has like this face. Like what? 
what? Wait, what? He's, it's like he's in, he's, he's, he's drinking the Kool-Aid for the first half of it going, yeah, yeah. And then he just kind of comes back around and then like, you don't know exactly what he feels or what he thinks. Yeah, it is kind of odd. It's right. like that argument hasn't occurred to him until then, or he's just been, well, I don't know, maybe too flabbergasted to, or he just wants to let him talk. I don't know. Yeah, it kind of sounded like he was pretty much accepting everything that Andre was saying, or maybe a little like, you know, okay, well, I mean, this this sounds a little far-fetched, but, you know, that's cool that this happened to you or whatever. Until he gets to talking at the end bit about a Findhorn, where they were trying to mm-hmm. build this thing where a thing could, like, go up and be a flying saucer or whatever I looked it is. that up, by the way, while I was watching. <laughs> they actually <laughs> yeah, do have rocks on them. It's kind of cool. But, um... I- I just thought it was funny, like, that was also the point where I really started to lose Andre, and uh, finally, you know, at that point, Andre's like, what do you think of all this? And, you know, to to um, to put it mild, or to sum up, I guess, Wallace Shawn basically says, I think you're fucking nuts. <laughs> like, just let me live in the American capitalist system. No, I know it's messed up, no, it's but not I'm that happy, far, you know, waking up to my coffee every day, such as it is, and going about my life, and... I don't know. You, you well, all, I think, I'm glad you all are happy, but you're crazy. I don't think no, he makes I'm you Sarah, crazy. I don't. No, no, no. He does not. That's that's false. Like I okay. mean, and I'm not. I'm not trying to drive you down on this. Like I think like the issues too is like he comes back. Like he says that, but then you can t- clearly see that he's bothered by Andre and like the representation of his art. Like he's still engaging with Andre on a level. He's not just a stone. You're wrong. Yeah, for me, like, it's the way he, he brings up that. science, which I'm. You're kind of waiting for him to do. I think <laughs> for a lot of the right, things Andre's right, saying the whole time, right. and instead of just saying, "Well, no." we have science now all of this is wrong he kind of respects that which is very much like you know andre's argument too that the worship of science has left us like spiritually bankrupt like that's still kind of a problem for me that science and religion don't see like not just i mean that 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 whole conflict and i feel like he the way he brings up science is so much more like um uh, gratuitous uh not gratuitous Mm. i'm sorry like um uh, he's very nice about it he's like well this is not just like wrong but it's science didn't just invalidate all this but it, it we see the world differently now and that that is also useful that it, it is kind of like uh, in, incomparable i guess I, I don't know i'm losing it but you get what i'm saying yes <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think i i, I like that i think like uh, he's definitely i think for sarah like i think he's still like maybe she's also not wrong in that as an audience stand-in for us like he does a good job of representing my feelings and thoughts like i think there's the beautiful issue with wallace in this film is that he's he's it's not just more than just he's a stand-in we become him in the course of the film by watching andre like we become part of the conversation it's not just that it's 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 just like it's interactive theater and that you're experiencing it and it's seeing his reaction and it matches and, and it's put together too because like they watched people responding to Andre and figured out what was his reaction at this moment and it's good that we keep seeing his reactions to understand our own reactions and we we kind of agree with him tangentially no matter what happens because you're just you know you agree you know it doesn't matter if you're watching you know like you know a tea party a crazy tea party debate no not to make it political but like the the one less least crazy person in the room you agree with you know outright do you know what I mean like, you know, I don't mean to make that sense, but, you you know, it's like I'm not saying they're crazy. I'm saying like there's a conversation going with here is the person on the far side of Andre with not Andre's ridiculousness, but his perspective. So we we, we become him in a sense. We take on part of the conversation. And I think they're very good at scripting Wallace in such a way as like, you know, 
here's the moments when you need to come back around and say, what about this? Drive the conversation back towards reality. All right. I think something <laughs> that might help with this is if actually if we go ahead and give this scores. And I think that's stupid to some extent because how do you score a movie like this? You don't. But I do think it'll tell us a little bit about a lot of the members of the cast, like how you feel about it and where you are with it. So um, I'm actually going to ask you, uh, Ben, if you want to give the first score. Sure. I would probably give it a 9 out of 10, um, which is like, my high score so far. It's really, really incredible. Like I said, I think what I like about it is it's cinematic take on the long form conversation which I think is very interesting it is the best of all these worlds it is also doing other things in terms of dealing with these real people dealing with experimental theater but I think what makes me really attached to it is sort of what Roger Ebert and, and Gene Siskel promoted it for is taking the idea of a concept but still making it cinematic making it inventive having um, that angle of Wallace Shawn's perspective be the driving force of the film I think is very interesting and clever like I said I think maybe I don't know maybe it could be Titan here or there I'm not sure why it's a 9 and not a 10 I, I have no good reason for it <laughs> just other maybe than, other I just than the fact we do, no I agree perfect. with that we don't give 10s and like you know it's like it's like there's a vagueness between like what what is purposeful everything feels purposeful but it's very possibly not and just right I'm gonna point. save 10 for like my my top 30 films of all time so you know it's fair and, I, and I understand it not being in there but uh bobby you're up next oh great um <laughs> <laughs> i i think i would I, I would rate this film lower than i've rated some of the other ones um and i i would give it a seven um that is not to say that i did not enjoy the film i did i thought the conversation was very interesting between the two characters and it's nice to see a film that is so drastically different from what's uh standard at this point it, it's a very quiet film and it's uh, very uh, what felt very purposeful um and i i liked that it focused on um you know it's just it's two people having dinner and um well it's not quite real time it's about as close as you can get to real time in the context of a movie um but i also also thought it was um cinematically interesting with how little they chose to work with um, and how they could still create a film that is two hours long and engaging. Um, but nevertheless, I had, I, I think I'm going to struggle with this film for a little while. Um, it, it is good, and I would recommend it to people. I think that um, a lot of people will struggle with the film um, because the topics involved are not necessarily interesting to you unless you care deeply about art and theater. Um, yeah, it gets philosophical and yeah, it starts talking about, you know, how's the best way to basically live your life. Um, and it gets into all of that, which is a conversation I think a lot of people have. Um, but I think, uh, most audiences might struggle with a film like this. Um, and I know I did, I, I know I definitely, definitely am still struggling with it a little bit as to find out where I stand on it because, um, I, I, I don't quite buy into the idea that Wallace is the everyman of the film. I do think that there's... He's not. I, I, he's the ever he's the everyman of academic Upper East Side New York. Well, and, and I, I just think that there's even some, some middle ground in there between the two of them. I think that the, the fantastical uh, experiences that Andre is, is describing are very real and very based in reality to him. Um, and so Wallace's dismissal of them is not necessarily, I think, characteristic of an everyman. I think that 
Um, I, I think that there's some in the middle there. But long story short, I think the film is very good. I think it's very different from a lot of other films, which is what makes it special and makes it interesting. And I think it's a really good seven. No, that's good. Um, Trevor, you're up next. Um, well, I'm just going to go ahead and put disclaim my bias again, that it uh, it touched on a lot of ideas I'm familiar I mean, I majored in theater and minored in religion, guys, so this was just very much up my alley, kind of. Um. It's a, like, let's be honest, it is a play, and it's just a play that never got put on stage. Like, they keep, and, you know, and the, like, it's not that any of these ideas philosophically are new, but just the progression of them and the just very organic uh, narrative they take with this conversation is just it makes them all kind of overwhelming and and in such a way that they keep using theater as a touchstone was just very satisfying for me so um it was a very uh personal very moving experience for me to just kind of like be overwhelmed with all of that uh associated together so um i i guess i'd give it a nine out of ten as well damn oh shit (laughs) um shit okay sarah you're up <laughs> i uh i'm actually also going to score this a seven i agree with bobby a hundred percent i think this is a very good film i was intrigued and engaged the whole time i mean it was just two people you know for lack of a better word sitting on stage talking about things for two hours um but you no know, they both said very interesting things i think that despite the fact this film was made what 30 some odd years ago uh, the ideas and the philosophies that they talked about are still very relevant today. I find myself having almost exactly the same conversations with my girlfriend to this day. You know, I tend to take the Wallace Shawn quote-unquote everyman side, and she's the more, I guess, uh, spiritual kind of Andre character. And, um, you know, people in 2016 are having the same philosophical agreements that, disagreements that people had in the 1980s, and that's, that's what makes this movie still relevant. That being said, I think that it takes a certain kind of person to enjoy and digest and pay attention to this movie that, unfortunately, a lot of people in modern audiences wouldn't really get. Like, I feel like a lot of people today watching it, if they didn't know what they were getting into after the first 30 minutes, they'd be like, I'm bored, this isn't going anywhere, I'm going to change the channel or put on a new Uh. DVD, whatever it is, which is sad and thankfully i wasn't one of those people and i enjoyed it but i think it's still true um it's a lot to digest but um still very good and very meaningful so like bobby said very good solid seven i'm like working at the numbers right now (laughs) i what you you guys don't know is like i game this system like no one's business um (laughs) no we know (laughs) <laughs> I, I think I think an issue for me is that um, I think about films and stuff and what I would and would not criticize about a film and I think the issue is like if you want to criticize the suggestion that it's too long or, or too unwieldy or or whatnot, I, I, I think that it's hard to do that to this film because it's not really the same sort of thing. It's, it's really more concerned with its internal life. It's more concerned with what's going on on the inside. And I think the issue with that is that it's impossible then to like really 
Well, that definitely doesn't come out to 10.1. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, math. I'm trying, I'm trying, you know, what you guys don't realize is, like, really when I say my final words about a movie, I'm, like, always trying to do the math, <laughs> and I'm just, like, fucking it up half the time. I, I realized this the other day, is like, I fucked up math, like, a half dozen times in the middle of our casts, and just been like, oh my god, it was wrong on the cast. Who cares? No one goes back and listens to it. It's okay. Hate you all. <laughs> all right. But I'm going to give, um... What it comes down to is, like, there's nothing really here to criticize about this movie. Um, there's nothing that I could openly criticize about it that would suggest that it is a thing. And this, is, this goes back to what we said about Spotlight. It is a thing doing the best possible thing it can do. And I think it's wondering, it's wondering to me is, like, where is Spotlight? Like, what is it trying to achieve here? And, like, Spotlight is reaching for something kind of lower than this in terms of my artistic hierarchy and I think that's the thing is it reaches so strongly for something so great and I, and I will say it's precious to me and so because of that like I have to give it a 9.5 wow I really so, expected 10 after that speech but I'll, yeah. that's, that's still good <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> I don't I'm give 10s so. Trevor <laughs> I'm sorry I just he built it up so much Jesus could come down from heaven and I would not give him a 10 that's <laughs> right <laughs> good skydive bro 9.5 <laughs> 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 like it could be like a triple double axle into a pool and i'd be like ah it's okay <laughs> i don't give good scores um but that that pushes us out to an 8.3 which comes out to an 8.5 for the cast uh for my dinner with andre oh me i think that might be our highest score to date i yep. think it is yeah it is um which I, i'm sorry i know like in fairness to in fairness to guys that might not have liked it as much, like this is an art house movie, so I, I understand like me, Ben, and Trevor are showing our. Well, Bobby really ass. liked the lobster, so you can't say that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's fair. Actually, fair. That's fair. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making. I'm not trying to make it into a sexist thing or anything. I'm just like, I think like more like. I didn't do theater, but I at least had Kyle Gillette as a, <laughs> a theater. Yeah, I think Kyle Gillette uh, teaching you might help with this. Kyle Gillette really did. Who brought the Grotowski <laughs> workshop to our to our college. Yeah, I know exactly. He's exactly in that. I think if I hadn't had that experience, give a shout out to College Light. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Woo! I think if I honestly think if I hadn't had him as a humor teacher in college, I'd have had a much different experience with this movie. And I think I think that's interesting and wrong to give a 9.5. I think a 9.5 should be accessible to a lot of people. But at the end of the day, I don't think movies are ever accessible because. You know, sometimes you have people that are blind and deaf and can't hear, so why does the information have to be perfect, um, perfectly accessible? Uh, I think in that regards, then, to what it's doing to the audience is addressing, it's pretty perfect. Cool. Cool. Sorry, right. that got, that got, that was, this is, this episode got, uh, kind of heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, we didn't talk about farts this episode. No so farts. I'm just gonna... You brought in porn really quickly. Yeah, so that, was a, still, yeah. that was a classic that. jackism. Yeah, but that was actually like a legitimate good point to the conversation. <laughs> like, no, it's almost it's almost pornographic. Like it was a good use of it in this context. It wasn't just vulgar and gratuitous like I usually am. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so bets this week. Best last week we bet on X Men Apocalypse and. Um, we were kind of coming up what was the opening weekend. We've actually had an issue because opening weekend technically was extended depending upon your interpretation of it. So depending on your interpretation, if you include Memorial Day, which I didn't, um, it comes out to about, I think, like 75, which would mean Ben would win at 80. But as of right now, with just the actual weekend, it would be 65 million, which would make me win. So 
I'm going to split the difference. And both me and Ben are getting a half point because I fucked up the bets last week. And Ben is going to get to close out the show. But first, right. we're going to have the bets for next week. We're going to bet on what the opening, the domestic opening weekend for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is going to be. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Again, the sequel to the awful first movie. And I will, uh, I think in the honest of fairness, I'll just say, so we can compare, the first one opened, the 2014 one, what I mean, to 65 million. So that's what we, the numbers we're looking at. Right. Last time. So Ben, you want to start off? Uh, yeah, I don't, this is tough, because a lot of people want to see it, a lot of people enjoyed it, and then a lot of people really, really hated it. Yeah, so, like, what's the fallout from this? Though a lot of people are more excited about this one. Yeah, and then the trailer came out, and everyone was excited again, so, I don't know, I guess maybe just think it might just be slightly under, but kind of close, so I think I'm, like, gonna go 60. 60 million, all right. Bobby, you're up next. Uh, I also think it's going to fall a little bit from the last one, um, but I guess slightly less than Ben. I'm going to go with 62, because, um, yeah. Close. million. Jesus, Ben, I actually think I might have fucked you. Um, Trevor, you're <laughs> it's up all right. It's all right. <laughs> I'll take the cynical opti- slash optimistic bet of uh, 50. 50 million. Depending on which way you're looking you're, at it. Yeah. You're William. You're, it's, uh, got a, it's got to hit exactly <laughs> on 60 this time. <laughs> Sarah, you're up next. I uh, Unless uh, Jack really undermines me, I'm going to go for the low bet and go with 45 just because Ooh. I really haven't heard that much about this movie. And right. I don't know. I'm going to go with 45. Yeah. Well, I think I've been underperforming this, this, this round right now, so that's possible. Yeah. I'm going to go up from you guys. Uh, I Frankly, I don't... Because I, I don't really want to cut off Sarah at 45. Like, I don't think... I, it's going to be above 45 million for me. But, frankly, looking at this spread, I'm going to take the 70 million bet because there's always a chance that this might, you know... The early reviews could come back and can finally... If this was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that people actually wanted, the fan base would come out and riot. Like, yep. <laughs> like there's always that right. possibility because that, that is a passionate fucking fan yeah. base. Um, right, and it seems like they've forgiven a lot of the things they were mad about the first time. Right, as long as this one comes out and is campy and kind of fun, like, it could, it could really have a good box office run. So I'm going to say 70 million because I think, like, the opposite direction might be a good bet as well, so... That's this, and uh, take it away, Ben. Well, uh, I wanted to recommend a film that I think is, you know, I love me some some art squirrels outside my conversations window. kind of films, but sometimes you just need some good old-fashioned schlock, and uh, <laughs> I watched a great, great schlock movie recently that I highly recommend called Lone Wolf McQuaid, starring the one, <laughs> the only Chuck Norris. <laughs> This is sort of the spiritual sequel to his fabulous TV show, Walker, Texas Ranger. He kind of came up with the idea for the show after doing this movie. He stars as an El Paso, Texas Ranger, fighting off, of course, David Carradine, who, of course, they have a kung fu battle at the end, and he's doing drugs and all things. <laughs> this one's just uh, just fantastic, especially for Texas. He drinks uh, pearl beer the entire time. His truck is comically dirty. It doesn't even make sense how dirty it is. It is just a delight of cheese and fun and excitement and i've watched a lot of chuck films lately i've come kind of obsessed with his silly filmography and this is by far one of my favorites i think if you want some good old-fashioned 80s schlock uh you can't go wrong with lone wolf mcquade so that is my recommendation 
for this round. So thank everyone for watching. Uh, of course, follow us on iTunes. Make sure to rate and review the show. Check us out on Facebook, the Movie Gang Podcast on Facebook. And, you know, follow us and give us questions. Oh, we like one, questions. And uh, give us a shout-out. Sorry, Ben, I don't mean to steal, but give us a no, shout-out no. on Twitter um, at, uh, at the underscore movie underscore gang. That's our uh, Twitter handle, so go go give us some love over there. We'd appreciate it. All right, everyone. And for everyone on the Movie Gang Podcast, have a good night. Or day or whenever it is. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>